The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos. Pretty simple, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, or online, sportsethos.com, where not only do we cover basketball and football, but also now baseball. So all the major sports are covered. Uh, Just a great resource all around, especially from a fantasy or betting perspective. All the experts are there. One more time, sportsethos.com on Twitter, at sportsethos. Here on the Round Ball Ramble, we do just that. We ramble about the Round Ball. That's basketball. And today, I am joined by regular guest of the show, friend of the show, Anarud. Anarud, sir, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? You know, man, I'm just fine. Uh, we're recording this really so close to the eighth when y'all will be listening to this, and I might as well say it, but it is the seventh, so the Lakers put on a hard win. Uh, that actually wasn't that hard down the stretch, which I'm happy about, against the Celtics. So I am doing just spectacular. Um, it's sad that my mood would have very much teetered over the edge had we not won the game, but we did, so not going to dwell in hypothetical sorrow. Um, but yeah, man, I'm doing just fine. Happy to have you on. Uh, as usual, as we do every week, we just cover the NBA, uh, you know, usually some sort of power rankings or team by team discussion. Today, we're going to do a little something different. We're going to go into just a couple teams that may need to reassess where they are, maybe go in a new direction. This was kind of jumped off by the news that broke early this, um, well, the morning of the 7th uh, by Sham Sharania um, with Bob Kravitz uh, of the Indiana Pacers, who at 10 and 16, um, are going in a new direction. They're moving toward a substantial rebuild and they're expected to open up trade conversations around some of their veterans. And that not only includes, you know, guys like Karis LeVert, but also potentially either two-time All-Star DeMontis Sabonis or promising defensive center Miles Turner. Uh, all three players have received significant interest from rival teams uh, and Pacers have heard frequent calls for both of these guys, uh, particularly Sabonis and Turner, over the last couple of years, but, you know, new coach Rick Carlisle wanted to take this time, see what he had with this team. Apparently, after 16, after uh, 26 games, he's seen enough. Uh, Anurud, what do you think about the surprising news, and 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 let's kind of start our conversation in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, like, we've heard for the last couple years that this whole too-big experiment was going to be something to watch. Um, Sabonis has been growing as a player – Obviously, he's been the all-star for that team, so kind of felt like they were going towards him over Miles Turner, but Sabonis is just kind of like a weird player. Um, he's not a great defender. He's he's okay for a big, but he's not spectacular. He's a really good playmaker, and he can score well inside, but he can't really stretch the floor. Uh, he's shown some improvement, but – this is a team that in general just kind of lacks creation ability. Like Brogdon's more of a scoring guard. LaBert's more of a scoring guard. Uh, Turner's obviously just a pick and pop big. And Sabonis like has been really the guy who's been trying to create a lot, a lot of opportunities, but this team's offense never seemed to really figure it out. And last year uh, under Nate Bjorken, that was a complete mess. And they had like, Montes Bonus out on the perimeter defending and blitzing, and it was just like, no, this doesn't match them. So I'm not surprised, especially since this is a team that's like obviously wanting to either step forward or try to go back into a rebuild, and they haven't really been a true title contender in a long time, I would say, until Reggie Miller. So, yeah, it makes sense, but it's – each of these guys, there's going to be a lot of interesting teams that might want to look at it, especially Miles Turner, just because a pick-and-pop big can actually guard the rim is really rare these days. Sorry, I went and muted myself again first time. For no, no more on that. But I completely agree. Um, I think it's interesting. You look at where the 
Pacers are. And for a team, you know, that Carlisle wanted to see what he had, he has a decidedly average team. You know, right now, as it currently stands, the Pacers are 15th in offensive rating, uh, 13th in defensive rating, and, and, and 13th in net rating. And, you know, they've just been a, a middling team. And yeah, they've had injuries and, you know, things here and there. But at the end of the day, you're right. These guys just have not done it, you know, and that's the bottom line. And you are led by a guy in Sabonis who, you know, there's been some talk about him when he's, you know, gotten, um, let's say, his all-star bids and such, whether that was deserved or not. But then you see the impact he's had, and there's no denying it. In Indiana, clearly one of their, their better players, widely viewed as their best player uh, across NBA circles. And in 26 games so far this season, he's averaging pretty solid numbers, 17.9 points, 12 boards, four assists. Like, he's not that bad. Um, he's also on the contract through 2024. However, this scoring average uh, has decreased to its lowest in three years at this point, going on three years now. And so you look at this team and it's like, like you said, there has been talk. Can Sabonis and Turner coexist and help the organization move forward, you know, to, into that bigger and brighter stages in the playoffs? The answer has been a decided no, you know, and it doesn't help. They've been out without TJ Warren um, for the past year. He's only played four games last year. He was doing really well. He lived the bubble, but then he had the injured left foot. Um, and just while he got cleared this last week to start on court activity, he still is not only out for the foreseeable future, but he's also going to be probably off the books. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. So we'll see what happens there. And it's like, I don't know. I think this is great that for once the paces are all aligned. And I said this on Twitter earlier, they're all aligned for a rebuild because um, again, according to both Kravis and, and, um, Sharania, Creston, um, Kevin Pritchard had tried to convince the owner, Herb Simon, that a rebuild was necessary. This was back in 2017. Um, but Simon was hesitant about that. Instead, the Pacers signed Darren Collison, Bojan Bogdanovic, and made a trade for Corey Joseph. And we've seen that that has kept them, you know, pretty average. And Simon has been, the he's the longest tenured owner in the league, and he's basically always said the Pacers have to put the best product on the floor. If that means, you know, losing on playoffs, that's fine, but we're going to be a competitive bunch. We're not taking any chances on sliding down. We're not going to be a team that is trying to tank. Like we're going to put whatever we have out there and play to the best of our ability and, and just see where that goes. And that just has been, it's not been beneficial. I think that it's been good for the fans who come to games, but they said dead last in the league at that. And they're 29th there in terms of percentage of capacity. So, like, for the fans who are there, yeah, you're going to watch a great effort most nights. You know, win, lose, or draw, um, it's going to be fine. But at the same time, like, you're, you're not winning in the box office, right? You're not winning a whole lot on the court. Your players are all, like, good but not great. Like, it, it's a whole lot of, eh, you know? Yeah, this is kind of like the NBA's most, how can I say, like, blah team. Yeah, kind of exist. NBA purgatory. Yeah, and that's kind of like the worst place you can be because you don't really have a hope for the future, and you're not good enough. You're not bad enough to get that hope yet. So theoretically, you'd want to move off of some of these bigger players that you can actually get some value for. Um, but like a guy like Karis Lamert, he hasn't been that well doing that well this season and with all the injury concerns that he's had um it's it's gonna be hard to find some suitors yeah it really will and i guess it really will and i guess that turns us to their roster um and you're looking at guys i again they said the big guys that were in the report were not only of course the bonus and miles turner but also Karis lavert Karis lavert uh he's been decidedly below average this year i think just 49% from 2 25% from 3 and not for lack of trying gets up four and a half three point attempts a game he's averaging 14 points get this under three rebounds and under three assists a game like he's going out there he's jacking up shots that's pretty much it and that's not great for a 27 year old swingman who is supposedly entering his prime and i think that just shows that he's just kind of an inefficient kind of scorer and i like Harris Silver. like i'm a bit a big fan of this game but like we've seen pretty much i mean he's a little lower this year for sure but he's the guy who gets up a lot of shots for his you know minutes position whatever at rather middling efficiency yeah back when it was in brooklyn like the times that he looked really good was either when it was just him so he could just have the ball in his hands in the bubble or it was just him and he'd go 
or when he's playing off the ball. And Brogdon, he's a solid on-ball player, but he's not really the kind of like primary ball handler that can run things and let Karras be this off-ball guy. So it's a weird fit. Ideally, you'd want him next to a guy like Damian Lillard or any of these other like hyper creators like Trey Young, James Harden, et cetera. Yeah, no, 100%. And the problem is, I mean, it's hard for him. And Eric Pincus pointed this out in his great piece that he did. Uh, shout out to Eric Pincus, by the way, um, on Bleach Report for landing spots for the Indiana Pacers stars. And he, he noted that the market for Levert would be trickier. Levert, yes, he can score the basketball, but most teams have a guy who can do that. You know, they have guards who can do that. Levert's shooting 25% from three, like I mentioned. Like, that's not going to be great for most teams. And also, um, Gordon, again, Eric Pincus, in addition to 17.5 million for this season, he earns 18.8 next season. He's also older than both Turner and Savonis. So, like, you're getting a guy who, again, is not a super great shooter, a decent score, but for a team that already has that, are you really looking for another guy to do it and only do it a certain kind of way, which is pounding the rock until he gets to a mid-ranger or he gets all the way to the basket because he can't shoot the three very well. Um, and I like that Pinkus point on a couple teams that could be interested. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers with Colin Sexton being um, out for the season, uh, the Atlanta Hawks possibly a, a Cam Reddish uh, swap for Tyrus Avert um, to give the Hawks another playmaker, another score, and then the Denver Nuggets to give them some more punch because they've been injured, especially with all their perimeter guys, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., P.J. Dozier. Um, and I thought all those squads were very, very interesting. I had a fan hope of the Lakers, and then I was like, come to your senses, Corbin. That makes zero sense. Like, you don't need another inefficient guy who can't shoot when part of your roster is already kind of leaning that way to begin with so Levert was someone that I thought was definitely interesting but looking from him he was one of the harder ones to pick let's turn our attention to let's do Miles Turner I think Miles Turner is going to have a much bigger market uh 26 years old shooting just under 40 percent from three averaging just under three blocks a game uh he doesn't need the ball in his hands to contribute he makes 18 million this season and next and like He's a floor spacing big and protect the floor. I look at a team like the Hornets, who did not come away with the center outside of Mason Plumley last year. They, I think, could be interested. I definitely would like my Lakers to look, but I mean, the only way I can see that happening is they trade out Tim Horn Tucker and Kendrick Nunn. And even then, you got to, you, you're roster, carrying two roster spots for DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard. But if you're the Lakers and you can get a guy like that, you just do it, think about other stuff later. Um, what other teams do you think would be a good fit for Turner? And, and how do you like? the way that he fits on multiple teams out here in the NBA. So obviously he's like a very scalable player. He's basically just like, okay, this is going to sound bad to say, but he's like a bigger version of Robert Covington. <laughs> a big who can stretch the floor and defend, except he can shoot and he can actually defend the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Covington has kind of slipped in the last couple of years, but that kind of values can be helpful on most teams. I mean, like hell Dallas would love to have him, but I think Hornets is an interesting one. Um, I think Sabotis would also be good there, but the Celtics have always been kind of interested in him. Um, but one thing that does concern me though, is that like, he's been a guy that's been all these trade rumors for like the past three years and teams have been hesitant to take him. So I don't know if they know something that we don't, or it's just that the Indiana has not been willing to give him up, but it's just odd that, Here's a valuable guy that teams would love to have, yet no one seems to want to take him. I've always thought that interesting as well. Now, the reason I haven't been so worried about that is because I have leaned more to the Pacers just not being as reluctant to give him up. Like, I feel like he's always been more available than DeMonte Sabonis, but at the same time, like, when pressed to make a trade, I feel like Indiana's been like, you know what? Our best bet's to have both these guys on the floor and, and figure it out and go from there. You know what I mean? So, it will be interesting to see kind of what's available now, now that they actively are trying to move Turner. So then we'll know if it's on Indiana's side, but I feel like, and based off the reporting that happened, you know, yesterday in terms of interest still being there for both guys, I really think it was Indiana that was tempering down or tempering down their own market. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, Brooklyn would love to have him. Absolutely. But I don't know how that gets done. Me neither. Yeah, who do you trade to make like that happen? Seventeen million right now. Um, you're talking about for Turner? 
Yeah, yeah, he's actually 18 mil for this season and next. He has two okay. million okay. in up unlikely incentives for both years. So 18. And you're right. Like, what do you send back if you're Brooklyn to make that match? I'm gonna have a lot of fun playing with the trade machine here in the next couple of days, but I don't know. I, I don't know what you're looking at. I think everyone that's on Brooklyn is either minimal, you know, on the minimum deals or are at this point much needed contributors for what they have going on. So I don't know how you make that happen. But, like, if he was available, you know, and they had something with, worth giving, I'm sure Brooklyn would jump all over that. But looking at their roster right now, I I don't see it. Um, yeah, I mean, again, these have to be pieces that Indiana would be interested in, too. And if they're going for a rebuild, what young pieces do the Nets have that they want to part with that would make an impact? I mean, obviously, Cam Thomas. But, again, Brooklyn would be willing to let him go. Indiana would be willing to take him along with, what, Nick Claxton? Even then, the money's nowhere near going to work. So you need to throw in some, you know, salary ballast. So who are you bringing in addition to that? I'm not sure as to how that happens. That is definitely interesting here. But yeah, Harden makes 43, Durant 40, Irving 34. Do you trade Joe Harris? That makes no sense. He's at 17. After that, Patty Mills at five, Bruce Brown at four. You know, Javon, there's nothing else there. So I think that's a non-existent thing. But I agree with you. Like, of course, Brooklyn would jump at the chance um yeah i think turner turner's gonna have his 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 set of teams you know uh dallas do you think dallas would be a good fit for him i mean he would be a great fit it's just we have so many bigs so like what are we sending back because realistically it would have to be something like bullock and brunson or or brunson and hardaway and i think that's just a bit too much to give up mm. with especially how important brunson is but yeah, and that's possible, again, but then again, like, what's the fit next to him and Porzingis? Because mm-hmm. you're gonna have Porzingis now out of the perimeter defending, and he's not that great at that. And ideally, you want Porzingis as a five, but most so are you just gonna bench Turner? I, I don't yeah. know how exactly that would fit would be. Uh, another I team I would think of is the Raptors just because they don't have a true center that's mm-hmm. good, like, they have Ken Birch, but. It's kind of it again, true. Um, yeah, exactly. Aside from that, you don't have anything else, I guess. Um, Boucher can play, but that's not really, he's more of a power forward. But yeah, like the I know the Raptors would love to have him, so I would think about like, I mean, there's another team we're going to talk about later in with the Blazers, and maybe there's like a multi team deal where I don't know, the Pacers get. Simmons and Blazers get Siakam and the Sixers get Brogdon and the Raptors get to take Turner. It's just like a long deal, but kind of solves a couple issues for all these teams. Mm-hmm. That that would be interesting as well. I, I definitely would like if, if something like that were to happen, um, a move that would pair those two. I think it would work. I think it would work. You get a lot of room protection, definitely get a spaced out floor. Uh, alongside um, Luca to just kind of go crazy. I definitely think that would be pretty cool. So that's something to look at for sure. And last but not least, we're kind of running long here on the Pacers. Let's kind of turn our attention to the big one, uh, DeMontis Sabonis, who I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. Um, Sabonis, 25. I think the problem is that he's just not, like you said, a great defender, and he's better suited to be like the hub of a team's offense. And the issue is that he should be soon as a hub of the team's offense because of his style of play. But like, I think we've seen kind of how far that gets you. Unless, unless you want to lay some blame at the roster for not like operating at his most effective under Sabonis. But I, I don't look at Sabonis like, okay, you put him around like, you know, two average shooters and, and a big man, you're going to have a league average offense or above average offense in that way. Like, I think he's a good player, um, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not as high on Sabonis as like the main offensive hub of a team. And maybe that's just me not being lower on him and admittedly not watching as much Pacers as I should to be like, oh, you know what? Hot take alert. But that's just from years I've seen the past couple of seasons. I've watched like about this point, I would say like nine to 10 games, uh, parts of, of the Pacers right now. But I don't know. Uh, where do you think he can fit? I look at a team like, and it's, it's weird, but I would like Portland. Uh, I didn't hear. What was that team you oh. said? Oh, Portland. Portland. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think? Uh, are you what, giving what? up Nurkic in the steal? 
I would. The problem is you'd probably have to give up more. Like if maybe Nurkic and like Nasir Little, I was going to say, it would be hard for me to part with Simons. But, I mean, he is a restricted free agent at the end of the year. And he is a piece that Indiana would like for sure. So maybe so. Maybe you do a package like that. The problem is you've further kind of supplemented your offense, but you haven't made an improvement on the defensive end. In fact, you made uh, just what? A, a further... What is the opposite of improvement? <laughs> you've you've knocked away at your defense when you lose a guy who, while limited, you know, playing the type of aggressive defense that uh, Chauncey Billups has the Blazers playing. Uh, in Nurkic, you still have someone who is at least, you know, stout defensively, effective defensively. You're not getting that same type of play with Sabonis there. So maybe maybe I talk myself out of that. Well, what do you think about Sabonis, just his play and and potential teams as you think he fits on? So uh, Ben Taylor, of Thinking Basketball earlier, I think this year or last year, he put out a podcast where he talks about uh, how you can run an offense through a big and what are the different archetypes. Mm. And one of the archetypes that Sabonis would fit into is this facilitator big. He's kind of the guy who sits at the elbows and kind of just you run a lot of actions through him. Uh, other guys would be like Draymond or uh, Bam Adebayo or Marcus Gasol. But – to be good at that, like you have to also provide value in some other areas. So for like Draymond and Bam, it's elite defense. Marcus Soul, it was defense, and then it turned into the ability to stretch the floor. Uh, Sabonis doesn't really have any of those. He can kind of stretch the floor. Like his corner threes have been better this year, but he's still not like a guy that you really respect as a shooter. And his defense is an elite. So for just a guy who can kind of facilitate, it's not as helpful especially when it comes from a big position. Because the big is the most important position for your defense. So mm-hmm. like if you're a Jokic, you can space the floor and facilitate, you're fine. You can, you'll look, you can live with that. But unless you, can, unless you figure out how to shoot better or becomes a better defender, I, he's not the guy I would want running my offense. Um, I would still like him as a secondary guy, but the fit's just really awkward because – Ideally, you want him at the five, but if you're going to do that, you need some, like, defensively-minded fours. Ideally, it would be something like Prime Serge Ibaka, but that doesn't exist anymore. Nope, pouring out. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that for sure. What do you think about San Antonio? I've heard that a few, uh, a little bit, and I think it was also pointed out in Eric's piece, but the San Antonio Spurs, they don't seem like they want to do a rebuild. And if you bring in someone like Sabonis, he's young enough to fit – but talented enough to kind of maybe jumpstart the Spurs to a more competitive brand of basketball to be the team I think they want to be, which is a little higher up in that playing tournament, you know, seven, six, seven spot. Pop would love Sabonis. Wouldn't he? Wouldn't he? Like, after Tim Duncan, another big, you can run your offense through, except I think Sabonis is a much better playmaker than Duncan yeah, was. Yeah, Duncan was, yeah. nowhere near the defender. The fact but, that he even said his name in the same sentence probably is offensive. Yeah. <laughs> I, just being candid about it, I agree with you completely. Like, But, yeah, you're right. It would be another another young big with which to kind of, you know, saddle up the Spurs' hopes to and maybe but get – then them again, what like, do you do with Yaka Pertl? And that team already doesn't really have a lot of floor spacing around it. So, Well, I, I feel like Pertl would have to go to Indiana yeah, alongside – you know, some other pieces. I'm trying to think of who the Spurs um, can throw out there to make that happen. But he would he would have to go alongside them because you're right. You don't need to have a roster that's full of, you know, four or five bigs when Sabonis is clearly the best one. And you would have issues between him, um, of course, Pirtle. Uh, you just have a lot of guys there that kind of man that role. Um, you even had, like, Kelton Johnson them side up to, like, the four – spot more regularly so looking at it now i'm looking at the spurs now to kind of see what the fit would be like who would go i mean drew eubanks he's still there as well he also gets minutes i feel like you would maybe send like a package of like lonnie walker uh let's say Derek white Derek white exactly maybe vassell if i i like vassell on this team but like again yeah you might have to send him as well um Maybe you keep Josh, you keep Josh Primo. Yeah. So like something like Yaka Pertle, Lonnie Walker, Devin Bissell, you know. And Young probably has to be in the deal just because of his 
expiring contract. Exactly. And then he could be rerouted from like Indiana. Yep. And then Indiana could reroute him for, you know, additional draft picks or something to a team come trade deadline that needs him, you know? Um, and plus you have a brief reunion with him in Indiana. That'd be cool too. But yeah, I think that would work as well. I mean, what? You have 14, uh, Thad makes 14 million expiring. Um, Jacoperto makes 8.7. You know, Lonnie Walker, 4.4. Like you have enough there, you know? Um, and get those guys out. I, I like that. And they have their first round picks too. So I think the Spurs could do it. And that will be an interesting fit. I don't know. I think it's going to be fun to see where they go. I, I like Sabonis in, I mean, I don't like it defensively, but Charlotte, he probably wouldn't be as fast as those guys. And like his style of play is a little different, but like the talent with all of those guys on there with him there, that'd be kind of fun. Who just add another facilitator to this team that's all about guys who can run the floor and get you a bucket. So it would be a fun fit uh, defensively. Yeah, it's going to be weird, but mm-hmm. it's probably going to be better than what they have currently. I mean, Plumlee isn't really that good, but Spotus could probably be better. Um, Portland, I mean, I would love just to have Sabonis back. Portland, the son of Portland, Portland legend Arvita Sabonis. So it would be great. But that's a weird. That'd be a nice little shout out. Very much like when Gary Trent got traded from Portland to Toronto, just like his dad did, like 41 games in his third year or something. Like that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that closed out Indiana. Something to keep watch on for sure. Uh, For them, it's not about if they need to make changes, it's merely about when they'll make those changes. So that is kind of something that'll be fun to watch. I'm curious to see the trade value for these guys. Definitely want to see where my guy Karis LeVert goes. Let's go to another team that it's more or less not if, but when. And that's the Portland Trailblazers. I've kind of talked about them on the show already. Um, obviously, this past Friday, Neil O'Shea being fired. You've had noise about um, Damian Lillard and his future with the team and him wanting an extension for two years. Um, on top of the contract he has now, they'll pay him like 55 mil at age 36. Uh, which was definitely, you know, leaked from Neil O'Shea to Woj to, I don't know, make Dame and the Blazers look bad. I'm not really sure. Burn the bridge on the way out, I suppose. Um, but you have CJ as well, um, who has a collapsed lung, and he's been out. The Blazers have just been bad across the board. Currently, they are 11 and 14, 10th in the Western Conference. They are 7th in offense, which is good. Uh, Chauncey Billups came to fix their defense. They sat 29th. Last season, well, they are different now. They're 30th, dead last, and they're also 24th in net rating. They've had a lot of injuries across the board, um, not just, of course, to Dame and CJ, but also to uh, just stand out this season, Anthony Simons. Uh, you've also had uh, the loss of Nasir Little for a stretch. You've had guys in and out as well, Robert Covington, uh, Le- uh, Larry Nance, just a lot of injuries, Cody Zeller as well. So this team is, when they're together, they haven't played super great. Um, when they're injured, they're obviously not hundred percent. Their defense has been just horrific. Their offense has been definitely hit or miss. Damian Lillard, who's been dealing with an abdominal injury for most of the season is shooting just, just horrible averages across the board. Uh, 39% overall from the field, 30% from three, uh, Russ's act, Russell Westbrook's actually shooting better from three than Damian Lillard so far this season. That's kind of crazy. So I take all this and I light it on fire and I throw this ball to you, Anarud. Where do the Blazers go from here? Are you trying to rebuild around Damian Little for a playoff team? Are you trying to say, listen, man, we're going to keep you around and we're going to try to do this again. We're just going to trade, you know, CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic? Or do you go, hey, you know what? This is as far as we can go. It's time to blow this bad boy up. I would personally lean towards blowing this up uh, just because yeah. Lillard's getting older and this injury is something that's been hurting him for a while. So, you don't know how much diminished he's going to be. And, <laughs> sorry, uh, a lot of their guys are expiring this year, like Nurkic and Covington. So it's kind of the right time to just move on when Dame is still at a highest value. Um, might be a little lower now just because of the injury. But yeah, this is probably as high it's going to be in the next couple of years. So I'd move off of him now. I think the obvious move is CJ just because – it's a bad contract, to be honest, and mm-hmm. someone's going to want him just because another scoring guard. Yeah, 
Exactly. And CJ, I mean, he's been averaging 22 points per game, not shooting, you know, totally great from the field or from three, but it's been a down year for him dealing with injuries. And obviously, you know, when you're being swirled around trade rumors, that's not great for you either. So that has to just doubtlessly be a distraction. He's also about to be a father very soon. Um, there's a lot going on on the human element that's probably, you know, looked a little bit more negatively on his on his play. But what do you think is he going to offer him for Philadelphia for Ben Simmons? I think the 76ers have made it clear now at this point that there was a chance they were going to take him for CJ and what three first round draft picks and three pick swaps. That is no longer available. Now they're only going to entertain a Ben Simmons swap for Damian Lillard. If you are um, in charge of the Blazers on a route, are you swapping a Simmons for Lillard and just jumpstarting a rebuild, then looking to see what you can get for Nurkic and McCollum and then kind of going from there? Are you turning that away? Uh, where would you part with McCollum if you don't? Um, if I could do that Simmons deal and probably go for like two first round picks, maybe uh, for Lillard, I, I would think about taking that just because I can move off of Simmons later in another year if I feel like I need to, but at least it clears up this kind of older player off my books and it makes it easier for me to move guys like Nurkic and Covington and CJ. So I would think about moving Lillard, but with that franchise, it's going to be a lot about what does Lillard want? I mean, the Blazers don't really have a lot of leverage here. It's going to be, if Dame wants to leave, he'll get moved. So it's not really up to me. And, and like, thing is, like, a lot of these executive candidates, they, they're worried that they'll have to extend him, and they, no one really wants to just because he's an aging player who has had some playoff issues and has a little bit more injury prone in the last couple of years. And it's a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> for a player like him. It's a lot. It's a lot. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where they go because they go as Lillard goes and Lillard wants to say loyal, but at a certain point, are you just going to have to accept if you're Lillard that, Hey, I'm just not going to win a championship with this team. And that whatever happens happens, you know, because right now let's face it. If Yusuf Nurkic and CJ McCollum aren't good enough already for you to win a championship or even get really in the conversation, your trade return is going to be of equal or lesser value for those guys. So you're not going to get guys who are going to better suit you for a championship. It's going to be better, a better fit. And that can do wonders. You know, that could make you have a longer playoff round, a playoff uh, uh, time. Um, It will help you better in the win percentage. Like, I guess it will be incrementally helpful to you, but I don't see how you you move Nurkic and McCollum with the offers that are floating around and then walk away from that and say, you know what? The Blazers did their version of the 2018 Cleveland Cavaliers, but they are going to the finals. Like, I don't see that. It's possible, I guess. Crazy things have happened, but it's not something that pops in my mind immediately. Yeah, it's not like if they make the CJ for Simmons swap, let's say it exists, it exists. Book Even it, if they exactly. make it, it's not going to suddenly make them a contender. Not at all. It makes them better, but I wouldn't consider them a contender yet. Um, so there's no move out there that I see that unless you're giving up Lillard. There's nothing you're going to get back that would be close to even letting you contend. And if you're giving up Lillard, you're probably not giving up for like an older star player. You're giving up for a young guy with some potential. So you're looking to rebuild. Yeah, it, there's no there's no two ways around that. I think you're right. It's it's one or the other there. So I don't know. Portland is one of those teams that like it's going to be fun to talk about them in terms of making moves. The trade machine is going to be popping for sure, but I don't see what happens. I just don't see how it happens because right now I'm not sure what moves are immediately available um, for them. So they kind of have to wait and see. And so will we. Uh, moving on from them to the Sacramento Kings. Kings still up and down. They are also 10 and 14, just like the Blazers. Uh, they are 18th in offense, 25th in defense, 25th in net rating. Uh, they were 6-11 Luke Walton. Remember, he was dismissed. They're now 4-3 and three with Alvin Gentry. What do you think about the Sacramento Kings, who are an interesting spot? You've had an up-and-down year for De'Aaron Fox. He started off horribly. He's played better as of late. Buddy Hill's been very good. Uh, Harrison Barnes has been very, very good when he's played. You've had performances up and down across the board from Davion Mitchell, Terrence Davis, Alex Lynn that have been good as well. Can't forget Tyrese Halliburton either. But at the same time, you know, you get one really good performance, one inspired performance, you get one 
horrible letdown. Another great game here. Another dogfight there. You know, a tight triple overtime win over the Lakers. He let a game down against Clippers. Uh, the, it's just an inconsistent team. And I think that's largely born the, of the of the players on the roster. So I throw to you on a route. What do you make of this Kings team? And yeah, where do you, where would you go from here? Okay, so at SBC, my team was the Kings. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know how realistic this Good would times. be, but the trades we make at the time was a trade for Towns, which was Tyrese Halliburton, Pearson Barnes, Damian Mitchell, uh, and two first-round picks and a pick swap. Uh, I'm not giving up Tyrese Halliburton anymore. I'm okay. uh, He's no longer on the trading block for me. Uh, Fox would be the guy I'm giving. Um, I I just don't think Fox is as good. I think Halburn has better scaling style where he can play next to other stars a lot better than Fox just because Fox can't shoot yet. And he doesn't really have some other skills. He's more of a transition guy. So until he learns how to shoot better, it's going to be harder to build around him. Whereas Halburn can be on the ball or off the ball. He's a solid defender. And he could shoot, so it's easier to build around him. The guy that I would look to move probably is like, first of all, Harrison Barnes is like still really good. I think he can help a lot of contenders. Like, imagine the Warriors having him right now. That'd wow. be a great fit. That'd be wild. Um, yeah. I don't know how they get him, but it would be great. Um, <laughs> Phoenix would be a great fit for him as well. Like, be another four spot yep. for like the district J. Crowder role. Uh, Miami as well. So there's a lot of places that could use a guy like Harrison Barnes, who's just this veteran forward who can defend a little bit and score, space the floor. So he'd be interesting. Davion Mitchell, like, I never really liked him in the draft just because this is his limited size and his offense is always just me a little bit of a question, but I, I don't mind that. But the struggle that De'Aaron Fox has been this year is really concerning. Like, this is a guy you extended, what, two years ago or last year, and he's honestly just not performing at the level you need him to. So if there were moves, if some teams were interested in him, I'd be looking to move him. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Fox has regressed across the board. Five less points, just over two, uh, just under two less assists, less steals, uh, just about the same rebounding shooting less from the field. He was shooting, shooting 53% from two last season. That's down to 48 this season. Where do you know he's shooting horribly from three? But did you know he shot 32 from three last season, 32%, and now he's shooting 26%. Like, it, it's just a clear regression across the board. Hasn't found his footing. Only played 50 games last season. Owned 24 this season already on a very, very, very rocky start. I think you're right. And this for a guy you just extended that's 24, um, you know, I just don't know where you go from. Uh, here's the thing. Obviously, improves. We go back fine. He's not a great three-point shooter. Four is three. He's 31%. That's not great. I, Based on what we've seen, we had one outlier season that looks more and more like um, an aberration. We shot 37% from three um, on just under three attempts in his age 21 season. Aside from that, he shot 30% from three, 29% from three. That aforementioned 32% from three and now 26%. So we know that's not going to be a major factor. Now, him shooting around two, you know, he's usually in the higher, I'd say lower 50s, higher 40s. So that's actually just about where he is. But even his free throw shooting is, is gone down, obviously across the board. But this is just a, sh- a sign of regression from a player who you are really saddling your franchise kind of hopes to to be the main guy to lead them to some sort of relevancy in the step you're going on five years now of no playoff appearances yeah um the other guy is buddy healed obviously um potentially on the move this summer but westbrook happened so buddy yeah. healed is an elite shooter who can play off the ball so he's always just going to have some value out of the league his contract is a bit much but for such a good shooter, he's kind of worth it. Um, shooters tend to get overpaid anyway, so it's not as big of a deal. And there are a lot of teams that could look to have just another shooter. Like the Lakers would love to have him. Um, uh, 76ers would be another team that would just like to have another shooter out there. But Seth Curry's would be pretty good for them. So there's just a lot of teams that would just love to have someone 
who can fill that Buddy Heald spot, but his contract makes it a little tough to trade for him, and it's going to be interesting to see. It definitely will be. I'm curious to see where he goes. As a Laker fan, you know I wanted Buddy on the Lakers, but I feel like that ship has sailed. Um, let's go on from there to the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, our final team here, and they're 7-19, 15th in the West. Uh, they are 25th in offensive rating, 28th in defensive rating, 27th in net rating. I think that's the recipe for just a bad team all around the board. Uh, Zion Williamson had a little setback with a sore foot, so he was pushed back another week from when he was supposed to come um, to be able to play. You've had great performances from Brandon Ingram, and other guys stepped up, uh, notably Jonas Valanciunas as well. And I think Devontae Graham's been solid, and, you know, Josh Hart has had his moments as well. Um, unfortunately, although Nikhil Alexander-Walker is averaging double digits in scoring, he's definitely had more of a down season when this was looked at as a year that he would take the next step. He's responded by shooting 30% from three on 6.8 attempts tonight and shooting just 42% from two-point range. So just a lot of shots, but not a lot of conversions. Um, Herb Jones is playing. Uh, Herb Jones, excuse me, uh, primarily for defensive prowess. And, you know, he's actually done really decent there, although offensively is much to be desired. Then you got guys like Garrett Temple and Thomas Donoransky who are there. Um, Trey Murphy and Kira Lewis Jr. could definitely be getting more minutes than they are. Uh, and I guess one could say they could definitely be doing more with those minutes than they have. Aside from that, Jackson Hayes has been around, um, actually a little bit of spot in G League. And yeah, you have a team that is just kind of stuck. You know, you're, you're waiting for the return of Zion Williamson. Um, you are looking at a future where Zion wants to obviously contend and the Pelicans have done nothing to like basically move him in that right direction. Zion has also for his part, not been available due to constant injury. So that's been an issue. You're going to a off season where you have Kira Lewis, um, Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander Walker all available for extensions. I doubt they get that. I just don't understand where the Pelicans are and where they go. The only one pieces that I feel good about locked up long-term would be Brendan Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas and then Devontae Graham, who is okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing with them is just what is Zion uh, at this point. Um, gun, it's hard to get a figure for what this team would really be if he's out there. But I think the generic idea would be get spacing around him. So they would be a team I would, I would like to see Miles Turner on. Um, or even a guy like P.J. Washington would be a, a solid trade target. Just another stretch big who can play on defense and stretch the floor. Um, next to Zion, whether it be the four or the five. And with a guy like Miles Turner, he'll protect the rim. So he can leave Zion to be able not have to be the sole rim protector defensive anchor. Uh, Josh Hart, I think, would get some offers for some teams. Like the Cavs would love to have him. They just don't have any threes. Uh, the Hornets probably would like to have him. Um, he's just a solid piece that a lot of teams can have, like the Hawks. Um, so, yeah, they have, they have pieces. Uh, kill Alexander Walker, he's been kind of like a little bit streaky, so it's going to be interesting to see like how consistent he can be. Herb Jones, I like. Uh, their rookie, Murphy, Trey has Murphy. been solid. Yeah. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is like, how much do you believe in this long term fit of Brandon Ingram and Zion? So I kind of lean towards, I would think about moving Brandon Ingram just because I don't like that fit as much, but it's not to a point where I'd be desperate to move him. Um, I think the ideal fit would be a playmaking guard who can play out on the perimeter and really set Zion up. Um, but Brandon Ingram so far has been solid. But if he can get you that playmaking guard, I would think about moving him. Really? I like Brandon Ingram, and I think, yes, I have some Lake, ex-Laker love, but I feel like he's become a much better playmaker, a uh, much more solid shooter, someone who can always create a shot from the mid-range, someone who can be that go-to perimeter guy that would match really well against Zion's force, you know, like an odds couple type of Shaq Kobe type thing. And I don't mean that in terms of, like, the dominance they had in the championships there, but, like, the style of play, one guy who was, like, an, uh, uh, just intense you know, overpowering post-presence, and another guy who did a lot of his damage from the perimeter, but also slash play, make a little, shoot a little bit, and be a perfect um, kind of count, uh, counter punch 
uh, to Zion's just blunt force trauma on, on an opposing defenses. Yeah, I think the, the fit is okay. I just I, I think it would be better with a different guard instead of Brandon Ingram, but the fit itself isn't too bad, at least so far. Uh, the defensive issues are a real problem. Uh, if your two best players can't play defense, it's, it's a really bad issue, especially if one of them is a, a big mm-hmm. and the other one's like a wing. Um, that makes it just a little bit worse. But if he can figure out how to play defense, like this team looks a lot better. But until they get Zion back, it's just hard to figure out what this team is really going to be. Guys like yeah. Tomas Sadaransky have been solid. Gary Temple have been solid. So maybe they could be moved at the deadline. but. I think they're okay pieces to keep on their team. They don't cost too much. So they're good value players. That's true. And I think that's unfortunately where you are. Like this isn't a team that I think they, they played much more inspired basketball. I like the fight they've shown um, when they're making more shots, obviously a lot more effective. Uh, the problem is they don't have a lot of reliable shot makers in that way, you know? And I, I just don't see how when Zion comes back, this team is like, you know what? There's a perfect team to kind of, you know, accentuate uh, Zion's strengths, uh, mitigate his weaknesses, and make a more well-rounded unit. I don't see that. And I think that's unfortunate yeah. for a guy who's trying to win right now. Whether or not that's the right angle, of which I seem to think it is, because I'm just going to get my soapbox here. I'm tired of players, like young players, having to feel like their team, just because they get drafted and their team's rebuilding, that they need to learn how to win or that they can't come in ready to win. No, come with the expectation to win. Demand more from your franchise. They wanted you. You're a number one guy. You've shown the talent you have. Now you want the team to make better moves around you to immediately contend um, or, or at least better position yourself to contend and not be a bottom feeder for you know the first two years of this guy's career. I don't see what's wrong with that. What is wrong in a competitive league with wanting to be competitive out the gate? Is this just a giant subtweet at Shea Gilders Alexander? <laughs> you know what? It should be. It was actually, no, I was in a podcast that I respect. Um, I'm going to leave unnamed, but they don't know me anyway. I know them, but they don't know me. But they were talking about, like, oh, as if Zion doesn't have the right to want to win. I get it. Like, yeah, with his injury history and his complete, complete and utter, um, I guess, just total absences on this team maybe it's not the right time for the profession on the franchise but when we've seen him play we've seen what he can do right if you had a, a better fitting unit around him then they could compete better like it's not like the pelicans haven't had the resource at their disposal the draft picks at their disposal to make a better roster they've just made very dumb and short-sighted moves and not paying for the repercussions of those actions so i guess you could say it's a shake guilds alexander subtweet too but it's mainly towards zion and in the team because I just don't understand why this issue. Yeah, it's just it's rough when your best player hasn't been able to stay on the floor. That's um, true. Obviously, some of it may not be his fault. You can't really predict too many injuries, but definitely being in shape has to be something you can't control. So if he can get that under control and stay on the floor, because last year we saw he was a dominant player and when they started letting him be the facilitator, their team started playing really well. So they have the foundation for something there. They just need to actually get Zion on the floor and play more and figure out how do we build around this. Yeah, how do you take what you have and cash in on that? Totally agree. Totally agree. Well, there's been a fun little look back here on um, some of these teams that we'll be looking at a lot more in the future in terms of what moves, if any, they make. We've talked about some they could make, some they should make. Uh, and where they are, but these are teams that are interesting. They had expectations of varying degrees. Uh, they've all failed to meet expectations, and now the pressure is on. The heat is on, and the eyes are on them, and uh, I know me and Yuana Rude will definitely be able to look back on these teams, hopefully, and see what kind of changes they have made and how they've looked to improve, but I want to thank you for coming on again, my friend. It's another fun time with you here. Uh, listen, I know telling people where they can find you uh, here on Ramble Ramble, but leave, leave the listeners of one last insightful thought. That could be Mavs or later. Otherwise, the floor is now yours. Uh, just a shout out to Desmond Bain. Uh, <laughs> this press conference, if you haven't seen it, um, so backstory, Bain is a Texas guy, uh, went to college here, and there was a lot of rumors that Dallas was going to take him. Um, 
he really wanted to be in Dallas. Dallas like his archetype, and they should have gone for him. And kind of the entire Mavs Twitter wanted him. And Desmond Bain was draft nerds like dream. He was their project that everyone just loved. And unfortunately, we take Josh Green. Um, so go back to a couple of days ago, and Grizzlies play the Mavs. And after the game, someone asked uh, Desmond Bain about not being drafted by Dallas, and his exact quote was was something special. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Josh Green was drafted before me, and I don't even know if he played tonight, but that's on them. Every time I hear it, it never gets old. Like, it never gets old. It's just that funny to me. Like, he made he made Mantle know. He knew Josh Green didn't play. There's no way in the world he didn't know that Josh Green wasn't on the floor. If he may know the fact that Josh Green was there, but that's on them. And that ending it with that, but that's none of my business. That's hilarious. Okay, wow. but, like, why bring Josh Green to this? What did he do to you? Josh Green just got caught. He caught a stray. It's unfortunate because he didn't even do like, nothing. Like, call out man. Dallas, but Josh Green? What did Josh Green do nice to guy. you? Exactly. This is like the, the, the taking the extreme of that one guy who gets passed over by two or three or five or ten players and then remembers all their names. This is like taking that, remembering that, and then just throwing a random lob at him. By the way, this scrub, you know what I mean? Like, wow. That's... That's just hilarious. Um, thank you for that nugget on it, Rude. Uh, listen, Desmond Bain takes no prisoners, y'all. That's the final thought here for the both the two of us. Um, but other than that, y'all, check me out on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Uh, check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos. Online, SportsEthos.com. Pretty cut, pretty dry, pretty simple. For Honor Rude, for myself, we are frosty. Y'all stay frosty. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. All right, y'all. This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.